0: Welcome
1: to the Delling Pod with me, James Delling Pod. And I know I always say I'm excited about this week's special guest, but I really am looking forward to talking to Pastor Douglas Wilson. Not least, we booked this months ago. You're quite, you're quite hard to get hold of. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he's <Is> there that- now. <laughs> Is, is that because you're a, you're a sort of popular go-to if people want a sort of controversial Christian figure to speak out on, on yeah, the podcast?
0: There's been a shift. Uh, a number of years ago, I, I did some, but not a lot. But now I'm doing a lot of podcasts. It's sort of crossed over to the point where it's okay to talk to me now. <laughs>
1: well, well, yeah, it's funny. I, I, I first came upon you um, on the Germ Warfare podcast. Okay. And, I mean, you, you probably don't know anything about me, you being an American, and Americans, you know, don't tend to take much notice of what Brits do. Um, but I, I... I was brought up in the Church of England, which basically okay. means sort of what what you might call a fair-weather Christian, you yeah. know, a sort of cultural Christian. So I, I, I got confirmed, and I... I went to chapel seven days a week at my, at my ritzy private schools and stuff. But I didn't really do the God thing. Uh, okay. and I think for, for most of my life, I would have looked at somebody like you as kind of one of those crazy right-wing American Christian figures. Tronclovites. Yeah, and now I'm thinking. Actually, no. Well, I think you and I are pretty much on the pe- on, on on the on the on the same page. So I wonder sometimes whether you might be even a bit of a pussy. I mean, you know, <laughs> compared with why, where I am. We'll, 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 we'll come to that in in a let's, minute. Let's but, test that. <laughs> but yeah, let, let's test that one. But but by way of, I don't normally do much research for my podcast, but I did actually. Um, look up a few of your things on the on the internet from, uh, earlier earlier on today. I love the video you made of you sitting on the boat, smoking a cigar and and um, drinking vodka and then making a Molotov cocktail and, and 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 setting fire to your boat. What what was that about?
0: Well, that that's part of a um, a series we've done five Novembers. Uh, I, have a, I have a practice on my blog where if I know I'm going to write something controversial, which I frequently do, I have what I call the second paragraph rule. And the second paragraph rule is I put all the qualifications that a sane person would put in. Some of you will hear me saying this, but don't believe that. I, you know, I'm, I'm actually sane. Well, uh, about five years ago, we decided to have what we call No Quarter November. Where I don't make any qualifications at all, uh-huh. I just I just say what I, th- I say what I think, and you can deal with it however you want. So it's no quarter November, like a no qualifications November, and right. the first and the first we did a little video promoing, this November, and we started with me sitting on a couch, that was the other end of it was on fire. Then we uh, we moved on to. Let's see. What a field that was on fire. Then we burned my truck. I, I was my pickup truck, and then we burned the boat, and then we burned a little studio office this last time. So it's become something of a set piece. What a, what are they going to burn next year?
1: Well, it was. I was impressed. Was it? Was there any fakery involved, or were you sitting on the edge of a burning boat?
0: Um, I the. In that case, on the couch, the other end of the couch was burning. In the, in the office, it was burning. On the boat, uh, it was staged. So uh, I threw the Molotov cocktail just sitting on a boat in the river. And then they took the boat to a field and burned it and superimposed the two, in, two images.
1: You disappoint me. I thought, I thought you were so badass that, <laughs> that you were prepared to... To be um, burned alive for but, the
0: but look but look up the truck the truck one, the truck was on fire when I was going in the truck, and the uh, the field was on fire and the couch was on fire and the office so four out of five, I was sitting near the fire.
1: Right. Um. By the way, what do I call you, Douglas? Doug.
0: Uh, uh, Doug is great. Yeah.
1: Doug. Um. Yeah. Um. Before we go on, I'm I'm terrible with my introductions. Just very briefly. Tell the listeners who don't know who you are, the viewers, who you are and and, and your backstory.
0: Sure. My name is Douglas Wilson. I'm the pastor of Christ Church in Moscow, Idaho. It's in the Pacific Northwest. Idaho has a panhandle. We're up in the panhandle of Idaho toward Canada. And um, I've been pastoring this church for something like 40 40 plus years. And that's my main occupation as pastor. But I also write... uh, Write a great deal, uh, write books, and um, write my blog.
1: And what sort of country is it? Is it, is it I mean, do, do people have horses and guns and things like
0: that? <laughs> yes. Uh, gun control here in Idaho, gun control means using both hands. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and horses?
0: Oh, yeah, there's horses. Horses, cows, moose, moose coming through town. Um, so, yeah, it's. Uh,
1: Doug! I'm a Christian who <laughs> likes horses and guns. Would I be happy uh, there?
0: You would, be, you would think you'd gone to heaven.
1: I think I would. <laughs> I, I, I really do, actually. I mean, apart from the craziness, you've, you, you, America, like, uh, like my own country, is insane, isn't it? I mean, I mean yeah. it's been taken over by the forces of darkness, basically.
0: Yeah. Everybody, appears, everybody in charge appears to have lost their minds.
1: Because they have, we'll come to why. I, I, I suspect that, that I might be even more hardcore than you are in a moment. But I was another thing I was looking at was the debate you did. I mean, a long time ago, now two thousand and nine, with with Christopher Hitchens. Yes. Do you remember that at all? Does it? Yeah. No, I remember that very well. What What was he like off 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 stage?
0: Off stage, he was never. He was never rude to me, except on stage. Yeah, um, uh, that was part of his shtick. That that was part of his thing that he he did. We got along off stage, backstage. We got along famously. We got along really well, and, uh, and enjoyed one another's company and um, had had a lot of laughs together. Um, so it was uh, it was a good relationship.
1: You know, he's got a Christian brother called Peter
0: yes i'm friends with peter yeah
1: so peter interestingly um obviously runs in the family has a similar technique that he is an awful person to be on a debating platform with (laughs) Um, in in debate he is he is he he grandstands he is merciless uh even if even if you're on a panel and you're you're notionally on the same side he will do everything he can to undermine you he can't help it he is he is the scorpion on the on the back of the frog being thrown across the river he cannot help it but I, I i'm sure that chris christopher as he insisted on being called was 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 personally very charming and polite off stage but i was looking at that that debate um from the perspective of now. I mean, back then, I think I might have been swayed by his by his charisma, his loose good looks. his. But looking at it now with what I know about the world, I see the workings of the devil. I mean, that man was of the devil's party.
0: Yes. And sometimes sometimes people who are of the devil's party who are insightful when they get a look over the lip of the abyss, they recoil and come back. There are, there are people who've done a lot of damage as Christopher most certainly did. And what we're seeing happen now is the logical outworking of Christopher's worldview. It's simply you, he who says a must go to B, um, and his affability in private wouldn't prevent that from happening. It might've brought him up short. Um, for example, a lot of people don't know that Christopher was pro-life. And uh, there's, a, there's a scene in the Collision movie where I talk about, uh, I bring up the life issue, and it really stung. You could see it made him angry that atheism necessitates uh, contempt for life. Well, he was a better person than he was logical at that, that sort of point. So you're exactly right. His worldview um, led us where we are now also incidentally I can't let it go by uh, Peter off stage Peter is a affable gentleman wonderful easy to get along with he's great
1: uh, oh he is yeah yeah I mean I've, I've met Peter at, at parties and found him him delightful um, yeah he's got this very curmudgeonly debating presence and and, and yes. columnar yeah. presence do you want, what do you thinks happened to 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 Christopher? Do you think he is actually in hell uh
0: with, apart from repentance? yes i yeah. I think that he's lost after he was after he was diagnosed with the cancer, I talked to my I talked to my father, who's now with the Lord, but my father is one of the most gifted evangelists I've ever encountered, and I talked to my dad about how to um uh, approach Christopher given this and he made a great suggestion which i followed so what i did is i wrote christopher a letter which laid out the gospel tailor made for christopher hitchens and then i attached it to an email and i wrote sent the email to christopher and said i have no way of knowing if you open this attachment or not i just wanted you to have it um and if you don't open it you'll be really sorry because there's some really good writing in there um you you need teased a little bit but I won't I said I won't know basically I wanted but I wanted you to have this and I laid out the gospel as plainly as I possibly could uh, for him now my father also taught me that nonbelievers go through three stages of their unbelief um, one of them is your non your atheist neighbor one day says to you you'll never make me your kind of Christian or I'll never be your kind of evangelical I'll I'll never do that Um And that tells you that they've thought about it, (laughs) right? They're running, they're running contingency plans and they're trying to get you to lay off. I'll never become yours. Then the second stage is if I ever became a Christian, um, would I have to give up drinking beer? Or if I became a Christian, would I have to become a missionary or, you know, whatever. And then the last stage is when I become a Christian. Uh, and Christopher was at the very least to stage two. Because there were interviews after his cancer was public, there were interviews where he was asked point blank, "Are you, um, are you, uh, rethinking this God business now with what well, with this cancer?" And he said he was. He did stage two. He said, "If you ever read that Christopher Hitchens cried out to God on his deathbed, you can be assured that the cancer got to my brain, or or the meds got to me, or, or that sort of thing." Oh. Okay, but what he was doing is he was preparing, he was afraid, he was afraid that he might do that, right? He he was uh, concerned about it, concerned enough that he prepared a story for his followers. Basically, it was the meds, it was that sort of thing.
1: Yes, he was afraid that he might eventually lose his own argument. Right. Yeah. Right.
0: That, that was a concern, that was a concern of his. Also, there was a, there's a very good book by Larry Taunton called The Faith of Christopher Hitchens, Taunton debated uh, Hitch as well as I, I, I did, and Taunton did, but he did a road trip with Christopher Hitchens, and his thesis is, and I believe this is true, is that Christopher Hitchens wanted to get to know Christians. and, there's, and if, But if you're in New York or Georgetown, Washington, and you start having lunches with the Archbishop, that's, go, that's going to excite comment, people are going to notice, yeah. And so what he did, he wrote the God is Not Great book and issued a challenge to all comers. I'll debate anybody. He didn't release the book at a wine and cheese event in Manhattan. I think he released it in Arkansas. And this is how I wound up debating him. I, I wound up debating him as a result of that challenge. But what it enabled him to do was to hang out with all kinds of Christians. And he mm-hmm. and it, it was basically a very shrewdly camouflaged move, I think. I think right. he was interested. I think he was interested.
1: Yeah, I I, I was going to use an analogy. You probably won't, won't approve of, but he was a bit like a sort of closeted gay man who, who yeah. finds it who, yeah. who finds excuses to rub up to yeah. to men in rugby yeah. scrums and things.
0: A, a, a closeted seeker, a closeted yeah. questioner, closeted questioner.
1: Do you, it, it's weird, isn't it? That we we Christians um, are enjoined. And actually enjoy as well spreading the gospel. It's I mean it's it's one of my my holy missions. Um, there was that weird period, wasn't there, where you had Christopher Hitchens on his on his kind of tour of God is not great, and you had Richard Dawkins doing his whole God isn't real thing. Right. Um, normally it's, it's it's Christians who spread the gospel, but, but I, that was a sort of unusual period in history where. The, the non-believers had this platform to to evangelize in the opposite direction, as it were. Why didn't yeah, to, was?
0: it was? It was quite interesting because the, those militant atheists were, were, the, were the ones bringing the subject up. Yeah. They were the ones who gave us the opportunity and gave us the microphone to be able to speak the gospel. Uh, and I think I think it was, at least in Christopher's case, it was because the gospel was eating him up. So, when uh, there were two subjects that if, I, if, if they were broached, uh, Christopher would go off like a firecracker. And they were the fatherhood of God and the substitutionary atonement of Christ. Those, those two doctrines were under his skin.
1: Can you explain a bit more in, in, in sort of layman's terms?
0: Yeah, the fatherhood of God. He he persisted in representing this as sort of a cosmic North Korea, where this uh, overbearing, domineering, tyrannical God, uh, and my our response is no. He's a father. He's he's not a dictator, not a despot. He's a father. A loving fatherhood is at the heart of yeah. all that is. But um, I think that Christopher had a strained relation relationship with his own father, and if if you will permit me this private little theory, I think that's a, a PhD thesis in it for somebody, is the contribution of the English boarding school system to modern atheism. Um, because what happens if you take the best and brightest of your young men, send them, off, send them off to a boarding school without the influence of their dads, give them a first-rate education, what could go wrong?
1: Well, I'm a product of that system, and I, 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 I have some sympathy with that with that argument. I mean, it certainly put me off proper Christianity for quite some time. I mean, the boring. Yeah.
0: Well, I, th- it, well da- I think it happened with Dawkins. I think it happened with it happened with Peter Hitchens before he was converted later. It happened with C.S. Lewis. It, I, I, I think he went to the- my
1: school, C.S. Lewis.
0: Okay, <laughs> well, there you go.
1: Before me and my C.S. time.
0: Yeah, yeah, me and C.S. Lewis.
1: <laughs> yeah. And, and so, I'm sorry. So, so the, the, the fatherhood of God was one of them, what, and the other one Father, that
0: he, the, the other one is the substitutionary atonement of Christ, which is the very heart of the gospel. That's the beating heart of the preached gospel is Christ dying uh, for the sins of His people, and that that doctrine would um, set Christopher off reacting. Um, strongly to it. And I think it's because it was getting close to home. It, it's, he, he felt it.
1: Right, but, but why, why, would, why would that particularly bother him, do you think? Why, why would that sort of jar with his intellect or, or whatever?
0: Well, I, I think it jarred with his emotions. In, in other words, I think he was bright enough to know, it very, he was very clever, he was, he was bright enough to know that this is the issue This this is it. This is the one thing that stands between me and God, and he had to. He fought it with everything. Uh, There's a powerful attracting force in the proclamation of the cross. If you preach the substitutionary death of Christ on the cross, you're in a tractor beam being pulled. And I think Christopher felt that more than more than a lot of people do.
1: So what the 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 very idea that Christ died for our sins and and redeemed us.
0: Yes, in the Gospel of John, Jesus says, I, and I, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. Um, the the crucified Saviour on a tree exerting an inexorable pull on the whole world is, I think, a doctrine of the New Testament. And I think it was something that Christopher felt.
1: Interesting. I, I was listening to some of his arguments, and they are so really facile um he it, 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 it was very good at dressing he was very good at sort of flirting with the audience all sorts of elaborate compliments to his audiences intelligence discernment and so on and then once you got past the style i mean his style was tremendous gosh i would i wish i could have debated like he does yeah. when you come down to it it's like um evolutionary theory is so obviously true um That the the, the scientists all tell us that that the universe is that it happened, it started with Big Bang, and you're thinking, hang on a second, Christopher. Have you actually looked into evolutionary theory? Are you aware that even Darwin, when he wrote Origin of Species, was aware of these gaping holes in this theory? Have you looked into this stuff at all? No. You're you're just regurgitating stuff you've been told by somebody else.
0: It was very clever what Christopher did. It was very clever hand waving by someone who was a first rate wit so yeah. so when you're debating with him on stage you have to watch your step all the time because if you make a solid point and you land a solid punch christopher is going to make a joke out of it and the, and draw a laugh from the audience and all of a sudden everybody's over on the other side of the room and he didn't have to he didn't and you're thinking to yourself hey friend you didn't answer the question <laughs> Well, indeed.
1: Um, just apropos of nothing, can you explain to me why I've become a Christian in the last three years? Why, why I've been called? Because it's it, it taken me a bit by surprise. Because yeah. look, I, I, I see this, I've become part of this faith, which seems to put quite a high premium on things like martyrdom and and, yeah. and 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 suffering and the and the, na- and the, and the narrow gate, straight as the gate. Um, what have I got myself into, Douglas?
0: <laughs> well, one of the key things is that you didn't get yourself into it. Um, it's not up to us. So uh, this is a, a sovereign God. The sovereign God, when he summons you, it's time to come. And so, so Peter, James and John are all... M- uh, mind and Andrew are all minding their own fishing business and yeah. Jesus comes up to them and says come follow me and uh, when the Lord calls someone uh, and he uses he uses instruments and I'll get to that in a minute but when the Lord calls someone he's the one um, when we say why me yes. the, answer, the, the answer to that question is not found in me the why me is is found in the in the decrees and determination and good pleasure of God. Now, the, if you wanted to look at secondary causes, you know why would something uh, like this happen to someone at your stage of life over the last two or three years? We've we've seen this happening. Uh, you might have the same language for it uh, in the UK as we do here, but we say people are red pilled, and yes. uh, okay, and they. They are red pilled. Sometimes it's theologically they're red pilled. Sometimes it's just politically red pilled. Sometimes the political red pilling is the staging area that will take them into the theological issues, mm. where, where you come to realize, you know, I've been lied to my whole life. Yes. All right. They, uh, man, I'm, st- and this is why uh, there are things where they didn't lie to me. You know, I'm. I'm I'm a geos- I'm a, a heliocentrist, right? <laughs> but you know everything is up for grabs. Name name one major institution in Western culture that has not embarrassingly discredited itself over the last two years. Um, yes. the it's the military, it's the government, it's the health services, it's the insurance companies, it's the universities, it's the police departments. Everybody has sort of face planted, and there are people who are just common-sense regular citizens who haven't moved with the times, and they see the, that the emperor has no clothes. They, they see, okay, the, the, all this crazy happened. Why, why don't other people see it? And they start asking questions. And the, the central feature of totalitarian, totalitarianism is this hard totalitarianism soft totalitarianism doesn't matter the central feature of all totalitarianism is no questions you may not ask you may not ask questions you're out of line raising questions and the, but there are people who wanted to raise the question anyway and they started to get they come to you for to administer a beatdown and and that just raises more questions
1: yeah, you've made me feel slightly less special because I realised that actually you're right. This is quite a widespread phenomenon, and obviously it's happening in America as well as in the UK and elsewhere. That I've been on lots of marches um, protesting against the lockdowns, the vaccines that aren't even yeah. vaccines, and stuff like this. Yeah. And I was very struck by the number of Christians on these marches, often, often new Christians. Who's, yes. Who, who like me, have gone through this stage where you're red pilled you, 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 you realize that we've been lied to and stuff then you go through a black pilled stage where you become mm-hmm. sort of experience this nihilistic despair yeah. because you realize the extent of the corruption and evil in our world and then you go, hang on a second, evil what's the opposite of evil if there is if the world is in the control of the, the devil temporarily by God's permission, hang on a second that must mean there's a God as well.
0: Correct, absolutely because if if you're staring into the Nietzschean abyss right, and you are appalled by that Nietzschean abyss well, th- if there is no God there's no reason to be appalled it just is right, the the only way I can justify my revulsion at this Orwellian uh, Huxleyan mashup, which is what we've got going. Yeah. Um, uh, the only way I can resist that is, if I, is I, if I have a place to stand, and I can only have a place to stand if God is love.
1: Yeah, I get that. I get that, and, and I also get that God is truth, yes. and that and that what's what that the world is a construct of of, of lies.
0: Correct. Yeah, the whole world lies in darkness. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But let me ask you something. Um, which, which I, 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 I've got a a telegram channel, and I, we, 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 talk about God and stuff sometimes. And what you often hear from the kind of the atheists or the New Agers is, well, look, obviously I don't trust the government, I don't trust the the, 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 you know, all, all the establishment, but. How can I trust the Bible? How can I trust you know that these religious authorities over the years, the church have may have twisted the, the texts. Mm-hmm. The, the, how do we know the translations are right? And what what what's your answer to that?
0: I would say you're not you're not being radically skeptical enough yet. You need to start with how can I trust myself? You, you if I'm talking to a non-believer, I'd say there's one person where you have first hand knowledge of how untrustworthy you are you know that and th- so this whole thing begins with humility this whole thing begins with you admitting that you yourself are untrustworthy now y- instead of you being the source of truth and you go you get to go around testing what would be a trustworthy source of truth to to depend on you need to begin, you need to realize that 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 your reason, your wisdom, your abilities, your talents, are part of the system that collapsed under you. You, you are part of who let you down. Now you say, "Well, what do I do then? Yeah. Well, then I, what do I do then?" I'd say, "Look to Christ." And you say, "But I need to verify that Christ will hold me." And I say, "You're you're in no position to verify anything. <laughs> I'm I'm here to tell you." that Christ will take you. Look to Christ, cry out to Christ. He died on the cross. It's a proclamation thing. So this is uh this goes back to the early fathers where credo ut and telegram. I believe that I might be able to understand. I I don't. Oh, okay. Interesting. Okay, you you
1: start with faith. All right. Thank you uh, for that. Welcome. Thank you for explaining that because uh, yeah, it's I that makes sense to me. That makes sense to me because because my faith beca- came before. Yes.
0: And then the I lights s- came. And then the lights came on.
1: Yeah. But so what do what what do I say to all those people who say, look, I've I've really been trying to to get into this, but I, I, God doesn't answer me, or or I, you know, it's not working yet.
0: Yeah, you're t- you're you're trying to talk to them still in test mode. It needs to be trust mode. Right? Where you say, I have nowhere else to go. It's like Peter, when Jesus says, are you going to leave me too? And Peter says, where would go? Okay. you go? You you have the words of eternal life. So I would tell someone, you must surrender first. It's like in the, in the Narnia stories where Jill is at the, that river and the lion is between her and the river. And she wants to deal with him and argue with him. Would you go away while I drink? And, and do you eat little girls? And he says, Well, I've eaten empires and kingdoms and little girls. You know, I don't deal, I don't negotiate. What she has to do is simply surrender. And someone's going to say, Well, that's just fideism. You're just taking a blind leap in the dark. Well, it's not blind. it's not blind there are good reasons for it and those reasons are reasons that you will come to understand as soon as you let go and trust me so uh,
1: yeah that's no that's that's very interesting and and I I I do feel blessed obviously uh, to have have gone through this this process although I wasn't I'm not strictly aware of having surrendered I mean I must have done I suppose on some level
0: yes I don't think it happens unless you surrender
1: right but okay, uh, the thing I feel that the people I feel sort of rather sorry for, I mean, to, think of all those young men, and, and it would be mostly young men who would have been evangelized into unbelief by Hitchens and Dawkins, and have thought they were being really edgy, and 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 their intellects were being. I mean, okay, you could argue that their pride led them to this position, you know, the pride in the intellect in themselves. But why do, what, does does God not want these people to? Well, obviously, he does want them to come onto his side. But w- what if they don't? What Is that fair?
0: Um, as, I, as I think it should be put this way: if life were fair, we'd all be in hell. Right. Okay. okay. So, so it's not. So here's the thing: is we the, there's a fundamental humanist assumption, which says that you line up these people, let's say ten of them, and they're all basically okay people. And then which ones believe in Jesus? will they go to heaven, and which ones don't believe in Jesus for whatever reason, will they go to hell. Well, it's not like that. Uh, what it is, is you've got 10 uh, inmates on death row due to be executed for crimes that deserve execution, all 10 of them, all right? Nobody has any claim on anything. Right? Right. They're, they're all guilty. Now, let's say to make this, let's say the in our system, the governor of a state can pardon uh, someone. Let's say the governor comes in and pardons three of them for reasons of state. You know, the president wants somebody for a dirty dozen mission or something, and he pardons three of them. And they go off and do that thing. He has done no injustice to the other seven.
1: That's a... That's a, you know, I, I was I was accusing you of being a bit of a pussy, but actually, that's quite a, that's quite a hardcore <laughs> position.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Do you think we all get an equal chance? Is that
0: a, a, no, no, we don't. We plainly, clearly, obviously do not.
1: So how do, how do you make sense of that?
0: Well, uh, the illustration I would use is that we our starting point is not that of being an innocent babe in the woods. That's not, my, that's not where I started. I was, I was sinning before I could talk. I was sinning before I could walk. I was born into a race of sinners. Um, if you look at a baby in a cradle, and you ask, is this baby a talker? Well, he belong, A, he belongs to a race of talkers, so yes. B, he's not spoken his first word yet. But it's in his nature to talk. It's in his nature to walk. All he needs is the requisite size and muscle strength. Right? Is it in my nature to sin? Yes. Right? I'm, I'm born into a corrupt and fallen race. Now, that, that is traced back to Adam and Eve, our first parents disobeyed. When they disobeyed in the garden, the entire human race was there. I was there in them. They, they represented me. Not only did they represent me, but they represented me accurately. I wouldn't have done any better than than what they did. They did not represent me inaccurately. That means that I'm, uh, you know, I'm born in this sinful world, and if I receive the grace of God, it's undeserved favor. I didn't earn it. I don't merit it. I don't warrant it. It's just God's kindness. So uh, the other seven. Who die in their own die for their own crimes? You know, there's no injustice done. the uh, the The issue of justice comes up not with the seven who are executed, but with the three who are pardoned. You know, right. um, so how, how the question is not how could a just God send anybody to hell? The question is how could a just God let any of us into heaven? And the the answer to that question. Is the cross of Jesus Christ that's how he does it
1: but does doesn't that suggest a kind of capriciousness on 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 God's part
0: well um, no the the Bible says repeatedly that God does it in accordance with his good pleasure his good counsel his good pleasure so he has reasons for doing what he does it's not no. capricious. He's not flipping coins, right? It's right. not a random. It's not a random thing. He has reasons. It's just that the reasons are not found in me or in my goodness, right? Okay, but he has. But he has reasons.
1: Well, he's a very. I mean, he's a very interesting character. God. I mean.
0: Yes, correct. He's not a tame lion.
1: No, that, yeah. I I've noticed this. I've i particularly reading the Old Testament, and. I know that some Christians have a real problem with with God of the Old Testament.
0: They do, and they have had since the time of Marcion. So this is an old this is an old problem. Um, there's one writer I really appreciated what he said. He said the God of the Bible is no buttercup. Uh,
1: I've I've got a theory on this which I want I want to run by you. I mean, you're, obviously you're you're much more versed in this stuff than than I am, but. I think, you know, that there are constant scenes where where God is really displeased with the children of Israel because they keep going back to, the, they keep putting the children in the fire. They keep building yeah. up Asherah poles and stuff. And it seems to me, perhaps this goes back to the serpent in the garden or perhaps it goes back to Jacob and Esau. But it seems to me that there are two parallel sort of, Elements in 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 mankind. There's the seed of the serpent, and there's the seed of the the the, the woman. seed of the woman. Y- yeah, the But the, there the, the, the seems to be like, like I mean, we, we see it today. Like you you mentioned abortion earlier earlier on, and 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 Christopher Hitchens' discomfort on that particular subject. I think it's right. It seems to me that we found a way of practicing human sacrifice in the modern age.
0: Yes, that's exactly right. And we've done it in a clinically detached way. So just as in the Temple of Molech, they used to play loud instruments to cover the shrieking of the babies. We've done this in a clinical way, off-site. We we dispatch them, and nobody has to deal with the gore. But we are just as bloodthirsty.
1: Well, exactly. And, And we know that child trafficking, for example... Yes, it's a it's huge, isn't it? It's huge. Right.
0: And so what we're dealing with, what we're dealing with is the recognition that when um, uh, the the anything goes does not stop with a few beer parties or, you know, a few um, one night stands with some attractive ladies, the, the, the anything goes ethos um Gives you the Wehrmacht Republic, and then what follows that? It 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 gives you hell holes on earth.
1: Well, exactly. So this this is this is how I've I've I understand the Old Testament God, the Old Testament God, and obviously the the the, the enduring God, is very clear that there are certain things he really doesn't like, even yes. to the point of. Of extirp- of wanting to extirpate and destroy, and I mean the 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 final line in Psalm one three seven. Yeah. What? Uh, again, the, the people who who believe in touchy feely Christianity, you know, God's like a social worker. <laughs> the, the, they they don't really get that. Actually, there are some things which are an abomination in the sight of God. And one of them is child sacrifice. And That's he right. ain't going to treat with kid gloves the people who do that kind of thing.
0: Correct. He's not. And uh, I was in a debate once with an atheist, not Christopher, but he brought up the, uh, he, he brought up the just destruction of the Amalekites and that sort of thing. And I said, I said to him, are you saying that God can't be pro-choice? We can we can kill our children, but he can't kill
1: his. Well, well that's the thing. So, so, explain this to me. Why does God um, favor certain people over other people? Does it, does it? Are there some people who are not quite human? Or, 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 or the, oh
0: no, no, it goes the. So you you may know this already, but just so you know how the grid to put this, what, what cubby holes to put all this in, I'm a Presbyterian, I'm a Calvinist, and I'm going to talk like a Calvinist. I believe that God sovereignly ordains whatsoever comes to pass. Um, not one hair on anybody's... God decrees the number of hairs on a yellow dog's back. You know, yeah. so... so um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to basically swallow all the reductios that you, you bring up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say the, the God of the Bible choose, chose the Jews and set them apart from all the other nations. And he says, not because you had it together, not because you were so swell, it's not because of you. But I, I selected you for my good purpose, right? And that good purpose was to illustrate for the world how God interacts with humans, So he gave the Jews his his law. When they obeyed his law, he prospered them. And other nations could see how the blessing of God works. When they disobeyed his law, he would chastise them. To the Jew first, then after that, the Gentiles. And they could see how God, in his justice, deals with rebellious mankind. Mm -hmm. So the, the Jews as the chosen people were not chosen as the favorite people. They were like a student who's called up to the front of the classroom to do a problem on the board. And when the the student screws it up, they're humiliated in front of the whole class. When they do it right, they are praised and and honored in front of the whole class. They're the chosen student either way. right? Now, God God chose uh, the Jews in the Old Testament for his good purpose to manifest his ways to man he's universalized the church in the time of the new covenant so now there is a new israel everywhere where god non-believers can look at the christian church and should be able to see people living out god's way of being a human being and and they should see that and want it now if they don't if they hate it attack it that's their that's their lookout if they're attracted to it then that's we present the gospel to them and baptize them and teach them to read their Bibles and so on.
1: Where are you on, on what's going on now? Do you think we're living in kind of, I know we're not supposed to know, but it feels to me quite revelation.
0: Okay, so I, I believe that we're not at the end of the world. No, I don't think Christ is about to come. Uh, I believe that history cycles through these patterns over and over and over again. I I believe that future historians will be looking back on our era as part of the early church.
1: Okay. What so how I, early? I mean, what do you mean, when you say part of the early church, thousands
0: thousands of years yet to go. Jesus. Jesus told us to disciple the nations, baptize them. Um, Teach them obedience to everything that I've commanded you, um, and I believe that that's our marching. The, those are our marching orders. That's the task of the Christian church, and I believe that the Lord is not going to come again until we've done it.
1: Right. Okay. So this is where I might take issue with you. I mean, not 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 biblically, but in terms of where we are in this in the in the, the cycle, if that's what it is. We've
0: well, we've well, looked think the point- Think about this, for example. Um, if you were in, in one of Hitler's internment camps, mm. would you be justified in thinking that the end was upon us? Well, well yeah. If if you were uh, facing Genghis Khan's hordes coming out of the East, would you be justified in thinking this has got to be the end of the world? Um, yeah. Uh, if uh, How about the Black Death, the bubonic plague? In, in other words, we have gone through so many horrors... Uh, that and and i am not disputing with you the time we're in right now is a specialty is is a specially horrific time it's really awful so i'm not disputing that i'm just disputing whether or not it's that unique
1: right well look, look it's it it's certainly true that your presidents for example are they're all in it up to the neck in in evil I mean, genuine. Evil. I mean, unimaginable evil.
0: Capital E evil. Yes. Yeah.
1: Um, and your Supreme Court is full of of of, of, of pedophiles and and you know they've got compromise on them. There was no there was no justice in the legal system.
0: Yeah. Um, well, I, I won't say I won't say there's no justice. It's a flickering light. We did Roe v. Wade was overturned, and. A number of states have already outlawed abortion. My my state included, so uh, it's not like there's no victories.
1: But they're tiny victories in in the, in the overall overall war. Do you not think?
0: Oh yeah, that's true. Um, but so here's the this is the thing. Um, it feels like that we're fighting in this spiritual Alamo or and we're having a debate among ourselves is this an Alamo is this like Ragnarok are we fighting in Ragnarok or are we but i'm i'm with uh, chesterton on this uh where he said the one taste of paradise on earth is to fight in a losing cause and not lose yeah and that's that's where i am do i believe that, that we're up against it do i believe we're in a losing cause absolutely do i think we're going to lose no
1: Yeah, I've noticed the Bible does put great premium on that. There are lots of instances, aren't there, where people are basically, well, Sennacherib, for example. Yeah. You you, you think you're going to be, there's no way you can win. Right. And then, but I, I mean, obviously, the Christian in me takes great comfort from that, that God's got this one. But at the same time, when looking at the materium, and I'm thinking there really are there is nobody out there. There are no white hats there. I mean, where are you on Trump? You, you, don't tell me you <laughs> think Trump is is any kind of hope.
0: Oh, I, I think that Trump is a piece of work. So if if that's what you mean, I I also believe that he has been used by God to reveal a lot of the evil. Okay, he's kind of catnip where um, the the people who hate him just can't help themselves and they have shown far more of their hand in the way they've gone after him than I think they would want to have done. So I don't think Trump is the uh, deliverer, savior. Um, I, don't, I don't place any hope in him uh, that way. But I, I believe that God is up to something remarkable in these tumultuous times, and the tumultuous times Trump is a part of.
1: Right. Yeah. I, I, uh, no. I. I. I think I'm. I, I'm with you on that. Have you? What's going on in in your part of of the world? Are you finding more people? Are you finding mysterious kind of visions are happening, or are are, are more people coming to God, or, or or what? What what have you noticed?
0: Um, what we've noticed. I've heard about some of the things you've talked about, like in the Muslim world, uh, dreams and that sort of thing. Um, here we are kind of at the the terminus point for a massive refugee column um, there is a great in in the United States there's a great resort going on where people are abandoning blue states evacuating um, uh, evacuating places like Illinois and California and and New York and they're going to places like Tennessee Texas and Idaho um, and in our small community, we have, we've had so many believers, you know, young families, relocate. For the last two years, it's pretty much been every Sunday, for the last two years, I meet a new family at church, and they say, well, we're here now. It's like it's, it's a huge refugee column, and I call them reinforcements. So uh, the, there's a, it really is a remarkable shuffle that's happening, and that's the glaring, uh, that's the glaring presenting issue for us right now.
1: I, I'm not I'm not familiar with 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 all the different churches and, and what's happening. Um, but
0: the churches that are growing in the United States are the churches that stayed open.
1: I can that, believe that. So you okay. stayed open throughout we, the... We equations. stayed
0: open. Yeah, we stayed yeah. open. Um, and uh, the uh, John MacArthur's church in California, uh, other churches like that, that resisted the lockdowns and resisted the vaccine, resisted the masking mandates. We had, we had a psalm sing, a uh, church-sponsored psalm sing where three of our people were arrested and uh, and their case was dropped and then they counter-sued and they just got a settlement in federal court. Uh, they wanted a, a significant victory there. So basically, the churches that resisted, that didn't fold, that didn't roll over, uh, have been marked out by many believers who wanted shepherds who fought for the sheep. They wanted shepherds who would actually fight with a wolf.
1: That's really good to hear. Because I'm, I'm glad you raised that, that subject, because... Um, the Church of England, for example, was absolutely useless. It, 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 it wasn't just that they sort of acceded to every government dictat going, but they they actually gold plated them. They were they were almost over eager to shut down the churches. Yeah,
0: but as uh, we've got a um, uh, we've got a, uh, one of the things the Lord has given us is. Uh, among this, this these reinforcements of people coming here, there are a significant number of special operators, um, you know, Navy SEALs, Army Rangers, uh, ex-military, and ex-special forces operators. And one of them basically said, "You have to understand that this whole—I've I've said before—that the lockdowns were the beta testing for a totalitarian move." Um, so let's see. Um, let's see if we command all the churches to shut down because of climate change. Yeah. Uh, how many would? How many would? Yeah. Well, now we know, right? Uh, we know that a lot of them would. And but but this is something. One of our special operators said, you have to understand this is something that the CIA and our op- operators do in place. They they they've got a situation that they want to control, and they uh, they issue a bunch of regulations. And the regulations have to be really stupid. Okay, it's, they can't be reasonable re- regulations because people will obey reasonable regulations. But if you issue um, stupid regulations, you're going to find who's compliant and who's going to be trouble. You've identified you've identified the places where there will be resistance. So because of lockdowns and vaccines and masks. Uh, I know that we're on the map now if, uh, you know, the climate change, if, to fight climate change, churches need to meet once a month. Right? I I know that we're going to be in the crosshairs. We're, I know that we've identified ourselves yeah. as being a pocket of resistance. But it goes both ways. The the sheep uh, who want shepherds who fight, they they find out who you are also. And they've they, Come and they want to be part of that.
1: I've noticed this when people are making making inquiries, for example, in my Telegram channel uh, about where where a good local church is. Always the tell is how the church performed during the nonsense, the craziness. That's
0: right. That's
1: right. So, t- just tell me about about your. You had a psalm singing session. Yeah. Yeah. And w-
0: what do we do? so we we do this normally well, like once a month uh we're Presbyterian, we belong to the psalm singing tradition where we sing metrical psalms and uh not exclusively, but we sing a lot of psalms, and once a month and we try to learn new ones and and that sort of thing, so once a month we have psalm sings uh where we get together and work on parts we do uh four part four part harmony singing in the congregation and we we learn the Psalms basically. And at Christmas time, we do it out in public uh, with Christmas carols. And then in the summer, we've done it out in public in the past before, just, uh, you know, we're singing to the Lord out in public. And our city council uh, did a um, lockdown order, a completely unnecessary lockdown order. So we scheduled a Psalm sing for city hall and we appeared at city hall a couple hundred of us appeared at city hall and uh, and the plan was to sing three psalms the doxology and then we'd go home we were just registering our our protest we it wasn't going to escalate into anything else so we showed up a couple hundred and three of our people got arrested we sang our psalms and the doxology and went home so then when they arrested our people we scheduled, I think it was two days later, another psalm sing in the same place. So we were back two days later, and this time 500 people showed up, right? And it, <clears throat> and it was mothers. For example, mothers were making arrangements for babysitting in case they got arrested. So, um, so we showed up to sing psalms again to, pro- to protest the, the tyranny. That's because that's what it is. It's tyranny, and we're not we're not fighting simply for our right to do what we please. We're fighting for everybody's right to be free to live free. Yeah. Um, we're we're not just concerned about ourselves.
1: <clears throat> what, so I'm surprised that the the town hall where you had the psalm singing session didn't try and lock the doors and close it. because I mean, no, we to, just
0: sang we just sang outside in the parking lot. Oh, I see. Yeah, we just in- me- we met at the city hall, and they painted uh, they painted little circles on the parking lot, six feet apart for us to stand on, and nobody stood on them. We just all just crowded in, sang our psalms, and that's why they arrested us. It's because we were um, singing psalms close to each other outside without masks.
1: Oh, what and. <laughs> Did, did, did nobody wear masks in your, in your, in your services?
0: No, no. We, we, well, there's one gent who's just started coming recently who still, still does. We never prohibited masks, but we never required them. And so we met through the whole, we met uh, through the whole thing um, with uh, no masks, whatever. I I should say just for when the, when the whole thing first hit and nobody knew anything, about what was going on. Uh, we and our governor ordered a lockdown. We uh, had an online service for three Sundays. But after three Sundays, we had sort of figured out what was what was happening. And so we went back to in-person worship on, um, without masks required or anything uh, on the fourth Sunday.
1: Why do you think it is that so many Christians have failed the test of, of, of seeing through these walls. I mean, Christians are supposed to have discernment, aren't they? And yet so yes. many have surrendered to this kind of, frankly, satanic tyranny.
0: Yeah, so I would say it's because they, they were pretty clever with this one. Um, because they, it was the uh, Wuhan virus or COVID virus nobody's ever heard of. They were able to spook people, and I believe... That is uh, a one lawful function of government is to quarantine. So if there's a little town outside, you know, uh, Troy, Idaho is right outside of Moscow here. If the bubonic plague broke out in Troy and the magistrates ordered the town to be cordoned off, nobody comes out, and that kind of quarantine, you're quarantining the infected, I think that's a lawful thing for government to do. I don't think that's tyranny. The thing that was tyrannical about this is they quarantined the healthy. <laughs> yes. Right. right? You, if you had no symptoms, you had no problems, you, uh, so basically you didn't need to be exposed. You didn't need to be symptomatic. You didn't need, they they quarantined everybody. And that is, that is a, um, overreach. There's no biblical authorization for that. If you read through Leviticus, you can see when someone has a contagious disease, they put him outside the camp, or there's whether whether or not he wanted to go. <clears throat> so that that by itself. So I think a lot of Christians weren't thinking carefully. They thought, okay, quarantining. I've I've read something about that in my Bible, um, but this was an, a photo negative of the biblical quarantine.
1: Uh, right, I think you're. I I think you're overestimating the, the degree to which most Christians, certainly in the UK, actually even are familiar with, with, with bits like oh, that in their Bible. The Bible. It's, yeah. it's, it's more that they just, like, they Christianity just is something you do without really... They don't want to look into the, into the detail. They don't want to consider... I mean, isn't it a fundamental problem yeah. when you've got Christians cowering in the face of this, this pestilence, when yeah. the deal is we're supposed to be not afraid of death?
0: Yeah, the Christians. We've heard for a generation that Christians are supposed to be winsome and nice, and being winsome and nice means we need to do what the man says,
1: and that's not true. It's it's not. It's not. Are you familiar with Andrew Tate? Yes, I am. I mean, I was quite disappointed that he 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 converted to Islam recently. Yes. Uh, and I listened to his his explanation as to why he did it. Yeah, I, I heard that too. I, I heard yeah. That too. What do you think about that?
0: I I think that given the data that he was going off of, um, the the um, milksop Christianity, I understood and followed his line of argument. Okay. I do, I think it's going to because it's false fundamentally. It's going to let him down at some point or betray him at some point, but. The, th- the thing he was shooting at I thought he had a point
1: yeah so for, 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 the, for the many who haven't seen that interview he was essentially saying look I see I look at Christian countries and I do not see them standing up for Christian values whereas I look at Muslim countries and, and they are clearly protecting women they take the religion seriously therefore as a fighting man I'm going to go for the, how did you put it? The,
0: the fighting religion.
1: The fighting religion, exactly. Yeah.
0: But they're not protecting women. What they're doing is the saying, we won't let you guys abuse women your way. We're going to reserve the right to do it our way. Um, so b- basically, if you zoom out and look at uh, church history from the time of the apostles down to the present, there have been centuries where the Christians acquitted themselves very well indeed over against the Muslims, right? So if, if you just look at, at history in five-minute increments or 50-year increments, there's, there's no question but that Islam currently is masculine overall. And Western Christianity is effeminate overall, okay? That, that is really true. But I think that you're just evaluating in 50year in increments. Take it in 500 year increments and it's a different story.
1: But you know what? I like three even three years ago I might have, I might have considered Islam to be a threat and Muslims to be a kind of the enemy within. I, I've changed so much. I, I don't see I, I see it very much a case of, of us, like Christians and Hindus and Muslims. Etc. Against this very, very tiny uh, segment, I call them the predator class, but they're basically Luciferians. They're they they're, they're basically Moloch and Baal worshippers. Do yes. you, Do you see it that way?
0: <clears throat> I see them as the principal threat. That's true. And I d- also I I also see secularism on its last legs and their secular progressive liberal establishment i don't think can be sustained and i don't w- i don't want the saudi arabian alternative but it it is um in some res- basically if you had to pick which um which hellish landscape you wanted to be <laughs> be in um the the future that our ruling elites have planned for us i think is far far worse than a traditional Middle Eastern country.
1: Oh, especially, and especially if you're a man. As we both are, I definitely pick the um, pick being a Saudi, a Saudi prince, rather than Klaus Schwab's, <laughs> Klaus Schwab's bitch. bit. <laughs> but, um, but, but, do do you, do you believe that, as I do, I, I might tell you that that. The, right now, the devil is running the show. I mean, that 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 he's con- he's pulling the strings of these guys who are who.
0: Correct. I believe I believe that the um, diabolical occult forces are at work in all of this. Yeah. Abs- absolutely. But I believe that Jesus Christ is the King of the world.
1: Yes. Sure. No, I'm I'm, I'm with you there. But do you do do you believe that? The devil is a kind of he has a physical presence does he does he how, what's the deal with the devil and all and all the, the and and it, he's he's a fallen angel
0: i believe so i believe he's a fallen seraph um, he is a creature he is i believe in a personal devil if that's what you mean yes i, do, I don't believe in an abstract force of evil i believe in a personal devil i believe in He is the prince of the power of the air. He has followers. He has fallen fallen angels that are um, the lake of fire is prepared for the devil and his angels. So I think he has a host of workers and soldiers and so forth who are currently very active.
1: And do you think he can be physically in in more than one place at any given time?
0: No. I believe he's a creature and I, I believe that he is one of the problems that Christians have is they they make the devil into God's opposite, and God has no opposite. He has no counterpart. Uh, the devil's counterpart, if it would be Michael the archangel. So it'd be Michael the archangel and the devil. But above all is God. So I don't think we should attribute uh, aspects of deity to the devil. He's not omniscient. He's not omnipresent. He doesn't know everything. He can be out with it.
1: Where, where are you, by the way? I, I mean, I, 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 I don't like the schisms in, in the church. That the, 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 there are these disagreements over things. I, I'd much rather we were all united. But the the, the Catholics, for example, make great play of, of things like the a prayer I rather like, the prayer to Archangel Michael. But presumably, in your church, you don't go with that kind of things. You
0: right? We're we're Protestants so, and we're and we're conservative, conservative Protestants who don't think the Reformation was unnecessary. We don't think it was a bad idea. Uh, but at the same time, if someone asked me, "Where was your church before the Reformation?" I would answer it by saying something like, "So where was your face before you washed it?"
1: Right Yeah,
0: right. so I think the Reformation brought needed reforms. I stand by those reforms. The reforms were necessary, but I have a real solidarity with Boniface and Augustine and my brothers, going back to the time of the apostles.
1: Well, this is the thing. I've I've been I've become very um, interested in the Psalms. Um, I I, I, I learn Psalms, and I've, I've got this interesting book which tells me that. In the early monasteries, the first task of a novice monk would be to learn the Psalter. Yes. Um, so I feel very connected to the early church. And the, and it seems to me that the the Psalms contain great truth.
0: Yeah. Yes, it's, it's, the, it's the hymn book that God gave the church. So the New Testament church was told in Ephesians and Colossians to sing psalms, hymns and spiritual songs. That we're we're instructed to sing psalms, which is why in our worship services, um, we we are Presbyterians, which is a very Scottish sort of thing to do. well the the scots the Scots are psalm singers, basically, and and we sing many of uh, we, we sing historic psalms, psalms that have been uh, set to music in the modern era. We, we are a psalm singing people, and and the psalms will put iron in your blood. The different, and if I could throw this in, in there, uh, if you, the problem with much modern worship, especially in big box, evangelical churches is the music they sing is, um, Jesus is my girlfriend music.
1: (laughs) It just, sounds so true.
0: (laughs) Right. And if, if, if you substitute, if you substituted Sheila for Jesus, uh, the song would still work. Yeah. right okay um, and uh, psal- what Psalms? what we've discovered we it was uh, we started singing psalms maybe 20 25 years ago and one of the things that i discovered singing psalms is that the psalmist had enemies and his enemies come up in the so- in the songs all the time you're always dealing with enemies. When you when you sing the psalms, you're you're it's a martial, um, combative, polemical setting. Lord, break their teeth. <laughs> Lord, come down, break their arms. Deal with the, the, they're plotting against my life for no good reason. So the psalms had enemies, and even the 19th century hymns, and certainly 20th century uh, Jesus music, there are virtually no enemies.
1: Um, yeah, yeah, uh, you're right. I, what, uh, the the first psalm I learned, obviously, was was Psalm twenty three. Yeah, and there's this. I don't know whether you've come across it. There's this. Uh, there was used to be this t- cheesy TV series um, called uh, "Songs of Praise." I think it was called on on, on Sunday evening when the, when the BBC did its sort of token religious programming, Good. and and there was this this. Drippy rendition of 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 the Lord's my shepherd, which which um, it's sort of warbly and kind of <laughs> it's sung to a tune called Crimond, and and I don't like it because it's, it it seems to be missing the the the, the tough element of the, of the psalms. Yeah, right. Yeah.
0: He prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemies, I, and modern Christians have the New Testament, the Bible teaches us to love our enemies. We're to pray for them. We're to bless them. We're to, we're to love our enemies. But modern Christianity has taken that to mean we're to have no enemies. Uh, and that is simply false. We're to have enemies and we're to love them. And we're to sing about them in the Psalms.
1: Yes. Well, I, I love that line that you quoted, thou that, that preparest the table before me in the presence of mine enemies. I, I, it, it, it's clear that what god is doing is trolling the opposition he's saying look you know yeah. <laughs> this this is how i reward my people and and yeah. and you're going to have to suck it up
0: yeah yeah uh,
1: uh, before we go it's been great it's been great chat- chatting to you doug um has there been a sort of breakdown of in, in terms of the the, the branches of the church that surrendered, that wussed out to the or the evil authorities mm-hmm. during lockdown. You know, it was, as you say, it was a great test. Which ones, did any particular branches punch above their weight and any any, any of them were particularly kind of panty waist?
0: So I would say most of the evangelical churches in North America um, capitulated or folded to one extent or another. Most of them did. Um, there were a few standout exceptions that we know about. I mentioned John MacArthur and uh, Jeff Durbin's church in Arizona uh, were standout churches. Then there were other churches that didn't comply, but that didn't make a scene about it. There was there was no, you know, they just didn't comply. They, they went underground and didn't comply. So there were, I think you could reckon them as the 7,000 who haven't bowed the knee to bail. Okay, they, they, so I'm sure that they're out there as well. I was really pleased with the uh, denomination that I, I'm a part of. We have about a hundred churches and uh, communion of Reformed Evangelical churches. And overwhelmingly, 90% plus, uh, didn't lock down, didn't, didn't comply. Uh, it, was, it was just a really good show. This is across was, America. Across America, we've got yeah, we've got uh, churches all across North America, and our our doctrinal heritage and tradition was such that the 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 men leading the, these churches were by and large ready for this.
1: So you're just a you're, you're Calvinist Presbyterian, is that right?
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: So what do you think it is about 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 your your traditions, or is it your
0: Calvinists, so, so um, every personality type and doctrinal tradition has strengths and weaknesses.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay. Um, and Calvinists have the weakness of thinking that God gave us our bodies to, to walk our brains to church. You know, <laughs> you know to, the, there's, it, it tends to be scholastic or heady or very doctrinal. There, so there are weaknesses that come with the Calvinist package. But one of the strengths that comes with Calvinism is Calvinists are ornery and hard, hard to manage. John Knox. Yeah, John Knox was not an adaptable figure, and uh, there's one uh, American business uh, tech exec who once said nothing was ever accomplished by a reasonable man, and when in times of adversity and trial. And persecution Calvinists shine it's it's like they were it's like they were born for this hour um, and uh, Napoleon once said that he would rather meet 10,000 men well generaled and well vittled than one Calvinist who thought he was doing the will of God
1: well, I'm, I'm glad you emerged well out of this I'm, I'm happy for your for your particular um, denomination right uh, it doesn't say much it sounds like for the evangelicals it, it, you suggest you seem to be hinting that maybe they they haven't really got what gross right. most is about
0: most of them I think folded in really unfortunate way
1: is it because of, of they've they've become a kind of branch of sort of the new age really
0: yeah or because they they've, they've they've bought into the idea that evangelical witness requires winsomeness. They, they think that winsomeness is the ticket to winning people over and it's not.
1: And, and briefly, what, what about the, the Catholics? Where were they? How did they perform? Uh,
0: the Catholics in, in sort of the parish to parish, it was largely the same. There were some, uh, Admirable voices in Catholic leader in Catholic leadership, they are Catholic uh, uh, intellectuals and theologians and so forth that I respect and I've been grateful for their presence. The but the Catholics basically the Catholics and the Protestants there was not a big distinction between them. The Protestants had some good standout leaders as well, as as did the Catholics.
1: And what about do you have Orthodox in 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 America?
0: Not not a lot. So we, um, so in certain places there, there are Orthodox, uh, but there, there really isn't a heavy population of them here.
1: Anyway, look, you've, you've made me very envious if that's not a, uh, a a sin, um, of, of your part of the country. I I, want to come and live in, in Idaho and, and, you know, God guns and horses.
0: Well, at least come and visit, have a look for yourself and, uh, one of the things we do with Brits when they come over is we take them out to a field and let them shoot.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. Um, Doug, it's been great talking to you. Thank you, Thank you. very much. W- d- d- tell us where people can find out more about your church and uh, uh, your blog. Your, that's, that's yeah. if,
0: if you go if you go to my blog, which is dougwills.com, uh, d-o-u-g-w-i-l-s.com, and the name of it is Blog and blog if you go to that blog on the front landing on the front page, you can find a portal to pretty much everything I'm involved with.
1: That's, that's great. Um, it only remains for me to thank my viewers and listeners and, uh, for your continued support. Do, do please keep, you know, buying me coffees. Um, you can support me on, on Substack, on, on Locals. Uh, that's a good place to support me. Um, Patreon, Subscribestar. um, thanks very much for for watching and uh, remember um god god is the right choice yes <laughs> choose choose jesus but but don't choose one of those wussy kind of new age churches because it, yeah. it ain't gonna do you any good don't,
0: don't choose the wrong jesus
1: no no exactly all right thank you thanks a lot that was fun